everybody. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Let's Make Some Shit podcast. We are back to your regularly scheduled programming with me as your host, Ray. And I just want to thank my lovely co-host, Resonance, for filling in and womaning up and doing a solo episode by herself. I'm so proud of you. I, I still don't you. know if... <laughs> I could do a whole episode by myself yet. <laughs> I'm sure you could, especially if it's something that you're like passionate about or like could rant about for forever. So <laughs> I know, I know, but just I just having somebody else there. Yeah. To talk to you. You know. <laughs> it's always nice least... to get like the questions and then, you know, make make sure you stay on your train of thought and don't go like seventeen different directions. And validate, you know, what you're saying. For sure. Also, was the word that you were looking for indoctrinated, if you remember? No, the word, I still don't know if it's an actual word or if autonomous is the word that's supposed to, supposed to be, like, automated. Uh, what do they call it? Like, robotic. Yeah. Uh, automaton. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Like, isn't there a word for something that's, like, an automaton I don't know it's definitely not like I want to say autonomous because that's what it I think it's like the same thing but it's not like autonomous in the word that I want to use autonomous you know right yeah <clears throat> I, yeah autonomatronic maybe <laughs> right <laughs> okay I get what you're saying now <laughs> so how are you doing this week oh we're doing okay um sex been super sick so we've been like fighting that with uh everything i can throw at him like i've got that immune boosting tincture and the fire cider um and then all different kinds of teas and colloidal silver and all of that um and he's been sick since wednesday well i think it started tuesday evening so been dealing with that and then what a I've lucky been. man to have such <laughs> a smart and talented wife to provide him with such amazing natural remedies. <laughs> I don't know. You'd have to ask him about that. <laughs> it, it's a like pulling teeth sometimes to get him to take some of the stuff because it's not like the tastiest, but well, medicine's not supposed to taste good, <laughs> right? <laughs> Right? Like, does cold medicine really taste good? If you went to go drink Robitussin, would it taste good? No. No, I can't fucking not. stand the way that shit tastes. Right? It's, and it's got that, like, chemical aftertaste, too. Ugh. Yeah. yeah. That, and then um, I've had an Usnea tincture ready. Well, a gallon of Usnea tincture ready. And I have a two-quart, half-gallon crock pot. So... And you have to double up your um, double up your water when you add it to do the second extraction. So mm -hmm. I'm doing like a quart of tincture at a time here, <laughs> and it takes you know a good 48 to 72 hours. And the crock pots is like getting that gallon done is gonna take me up like eight or nine days. Oh no! But I'm on quart three, so we're we're gonna get there. <laughs> We've been doing the same thing with um, chickens. Our crock pot's been running. I think we've like put four chickens into the crock pot over the last few days, just like one right after another. So we have like 
Tupperwares of pulled chicken, you know, just at the ready. <laughs> nice. Yeah, work work in those machines. Yeah. So what have you been up to? Oh, okay. So I did a bit of tincture work. So we had um, a little tropical storm roll through last week um, on Thursday. And so it ended up really being nothing, but it the path it was going, we got off of work. So I've had a nice four-day weekend, and I've gotten a bit done. So um, I did, let's see, I strained... Uh, an ashwagandha tincture with some of the uh, ashwagandha root that I grew myself. So that was Hell exciting. Hell yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited to try and see if I can tell a difference, you know, like the potency because, and one of these days, guys, I've been, um, we both, <laughs> well, actually Resonance already has recorded one, um, but uh, try and do some like little shorts on some of these herbs specifically and kind of just like throw them out there for you guys. It's kind of like little bonus episodes, but ashwagandha is one that um, I will be doing because it's one of the first herbs I started working with. And I it has just really, I feel like it's made a big difference in my life. Um, then I also strained a hawthorn berry tincture, and that's been a really popular one that's for, like, um, it strengthens your heart and cardiovascular system. Yeah, I strained... hey, speaking of that, mm-hmm. I did, like, mm-hmm. when COVID was first hitting or whatever, man, I got super worried, like, just about people here getting sick and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that I had seen suggested was hawthorn berry and so at, at that point, I wasn't yeah. like super into herbalism or anything, but I ordered like some capsules of it. So, oh, okay. Yeah. I don't even remember like what the specific like mechanism of action was or anything, but I just remember somebody somewhere said something about Hawthorne Berry. So I ordered it because it's like, I'm going to have everything that I might need here if someone gets sick. <laughs> yeah. I definitely know like more of the like, what to use and less of the why it works yeah <laughs> which is why I have you <laughs> but um Jager's mom actually is kind of like she's been kind of learning about herbalism kind of like on the same timeline that I have so it's been really interesting so she's been coming over and we've been like doing a lot of like herbal talk you know and she'll bring me some plants and I'll send her home with some plants you know but she made these um hawthorn berry like bites and um, I don't know, it looks like a little truffle or something. There's other stuff in it, but she made them for daggerous because, you know, his heart condition. And I wish you would take them more. And and the hawthorn berry, that's kind of originally why I started working with it, you know, was for him. Yeah. And like, you know, it's kind of hard to get the guys to <laughs> regularly, you know, take You gotta, like, <laughs> set it out for them and be like, don't forget to do this and, like, set a yeah. timer and then... And then when yeah. the timer goes off, remind them why it's going off. <laughs> okay, so let's see what else so I have. Um, I did uh, the fine. I did a second extraction and I strained it. The the final one of um, moringa tincture. I did a special one because um, my stepdad takes moringa and ginger together. Um, but my mom likes Captain Morgan's, <laughs> so she's been requesting a few made with Captain Morgan's. And, there you uh, go brought up the proof with um, some of your uh, moonshine. So I strained that. So I'm going to be giving that to her and see if they like that. Cool. I strained a maca tincture. I strained my Arnica oil so I can do something with that. I strained a senna tincture. 
And uh, the reason I started working with that one is for because um, it helps you poop. <laughs> <laughs> and if you go to the laxative or the stool softening aisle, in case you guys know or want to know at your store, all, all the really expensive ones are made with um, Estena because now all the natural products, you know, are more expensive. More expensive, than yeah. Yep. <laughs> okay. And see, I started a few tinctures. I started a new cilantro tincture because I had a lot of interest in that heavy metal detox blend. I started a motherwort tincture. And another dandelion root tincture, and I started a second extraction of a chamomile and a red clover. So that was all the tincture work I did. Nice. And um, I uh, harvested some roselle, and I posted about that in Discord. And I just um, touch on that real quick. So the roselle is a kind of hibiscus. And it's the one when people talk about using hibiscus medicinally, this is typically the one that they're talking about. But so after the flower falls off, it's the calyx that's left and it gets like really plump and juicy. And you can eat them just like peel them off of like the the base of it, I guess. And um, like they look like little petals. But they taste like cranberries, kind of even like, like fruit snacks, you know, but it's really good in tea. And um, I don't recall what the medicinal properties are of it, but I like to put it in to enhance the flavor of ones that don't taste good. So I'll have to send you some. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, and so then I made a, a body butter um, inspired by you. And our friend, we decided we don't know if she wants to be named yet, but we'll be having her on the show eventually because she's awesome. <laughs> and uh, it came out good. I was kind of uh, like before I started kind of getting that anxiety over starting something new because when I got looking at the recipes, it was using a lot of um, fats that I didn't have anything infused with. And I was just like, oh, well, I mean, I got to make it something with infused, you know, but I don't know a lot of people just sell body butters that aren't really necessarily infused with anything. So I decided to go ahead and um, try one of the recipes. Um, anyway, I lost <laughs> yeah. my mind for a second. It was okay. You were trying a recipe. What, like, did it turn out Okay. Yeah, yeah, it did. It it did. So, um you I put 2 teaspoons of arrowroot powder in it and I came up cuz one of the recipes called for that and I thought that was kind of interesting and I just love it when uses for things that I have around come up, you know. Right. Cuz it's not something that's used for a lot of things, but you know, they overlap. I always think it's cool, but so the arrowroot is to minimize the greasy feel of it and so I know that you used tallow and I feel like gosh I don't know that's what I, I sound so luxurious you know but so I made one with just some okay it had shea butter coconut oil and then I used I did end up using some calendula infused avocado oil and then just the um arrowroot powder and how long did you have to whip yours for I didn't. It didn't take very long at all, but but that's mostly because tallow is going to be hard at room temp anyway. Mm. So when it was cooling, I just whipped it, and uh, by the time it was cooled down, it was perfect consistency. It was like a 
like a really stiff whipped cream, I guess, consistency. Well, I guess we'll probably do an episode on that anyway, so I'll save anything like that for that episode. But it did. It came out. I, I made um, Dagoris and our roommate try it, and they said it was very lovely, even though they really <laughs> didn't have anything to compare it to because. Like when have they used the body the butter? First time using body butter. <laughs> um and then uh we did we finished up our chicken processing um uh, on friday and that went well which kind of leads us into our topic for today um which is raising chickens so i will i guess leave anything Thing about the processing for next week because we'll be getting diving into that. So yeah. uh, that's just what I that's what I made though since we've spoken last. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, that sounds like a very busy week, especially with all that tincture work. Yeah, I know. Oh. That, like when you get in the when you get in the zone, you can knock a bunch of that out at once, but it's just like getting in the zone. <laughs> yeah, I mean in. A lot of it's kind of like waiting, you know. Right. So get, get one straining. <laughs> strain you know, and, and wait. And then strain you know? and wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, it, that was, it needed attention. I had, <laughs> I was sorting through them like the week before and I have a bunch of cabinets, you know, and I was giving it a shake, you know, like, like I do. And separating well okay like these ones need attention you know and these ones are still going and because it's been a while since I'd kind of given any kind of like thorough attention there was way more on the side that needed attention I was like okay they can't keep putting this off <laughs> <laughs> so I mean like technically you could leave them there longer but yeah but like then you so, have like unprepared medicine taking up space and all of that well, also, because I get in Etsy orders, though, and it's getting to where I was having to, like, strain off, you know, oh, like, yeah. two ounces for an order, you know, and yeah. during the week, you know, after work, it gets annoying. I bet. So, like I said, I had a four-day weekend, so it was a perfect opportunity. So, you want to talk about shit. chickens? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I want to talk about chickens. Let's talk about chickens. This is uh, just in case anybody doesn't know this. I have, we have chickens now. We got chickens this, this spring, um, but I had never owned a chicken before. Um, so, I'm still learning. Very new to chicken and chicken momming. So, well, you got to start somewhere. And, uh, I don't think, no, <laughs> of course, I don't think, I, I know I didn't own any chickens either <laughs> before we started doing chickens. And let's see, we got our first chickens, I think, probably about six years ago. And then we started doing the meat birds about three or four years, probably about, probably like three and a half years ago. Um, so, and you, you know, you kind of learn as you go. There's not a lot to, I mean, you don't need a lot of information to get started with chickens, you know? Right. You kind of pick it up as you go. Yeah, you can, like, learn on the fly. We had this book. Okay, I think it, it was by Harvey Usury. I'll have to message Daggers to go check. But it was a pretty good book um pretty thorough and it covered a lot and that was kind of like 
our Bible that we used when we started even through, um, cause we started even processing the, um, heritage breed birds. So, okay, we can start there. So the first, what you need to do first, if you're thinking about getting chickens is to decide on a breed. Um, did you want to talk about how, well, what, like what, what made you decide that you wanted chickens and like, how did you go about getting them since it's probably fresher in your mind, you know? Yeah, that's fine. I'll talk about that. Cause, um, we had been talking about getting chickens for a while. There was an old coop here. Uh, it was a huge chicken coop out back and it had, you know, fallen down. It was dilapidated parts of it. Like the roof was caved in and stuff. It wasn't safe for the kids. And we were thinking, okay, well we can repurpose this into a new coop. And these are just like, you know, back of my mind thoughts. And then um, our homie here, you know, the one who hasn't decided on a name yet decided that she was going to get chickens. And she was like, I'm getting chickens. Do you want chickens? Um, nice. So I was like, okay, yeah, sure, we'll get chickens. And then, you know, she actually got the chickens and they came and they were babies and she kept them while they were babies, which is something that you can probably talk about because I don't know anything at all about keeping baby chickens. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she didn't. She took care of all of that until they were old enough to come to my house. And, you know, Sec made the coop out of the old coop. So we had a new coop from the old coop scraps. And um, but she had looked into it and seen that, um, you know, if you're considering getting chickens that are good for egg laying, which is what we wanted. Um, I mean, we go through like 28 eggs a week here minimally. So, Mm -hmm. um, we wanted, you know, chickens that will, uh, lay a lot of eggs for us. So she had looked into it and looked and saw that, you know, for the climate in our area and the, um, egg laying that we wanted probably something like Rhode Island red would be a good variety of chicken to go with. Um, but she got one that's like a hybrid breed, I guess that's supposed to be more friendly. Um, Mm -hmm. they're called cherry eggers, but they're a breed of Rhode Island red. Um, and yeah, she just like, you know, raised them for me until they were ready to come home. And then they've been laying eggs for me here. (laughs) Did she order them from a hatchery and get them in the mail? Yes, she did. Yeah, so that's that that, that guys like if you're gonna look for, to get chicks, honestly, that's the way to go. So I'll tell you about our first experience with chicks, and it was not as happy. <laughs> and s- since now, anytime we bring any new birds to the farm, you know, any new breeds that we can't um, breed ourselves, we order them through the mail. And, well, there's could be problems with that, too. But that's really the way to go. They'll usually handle any problems. But so when we first decided to get chickens, you know, we kind of went through this similar process of deciding you know, for our area, the chickens that would do best. And we had decided on Plymouth Barred Rocks. And so we were like, oh, well, let's, you know, get them from a local backyard flock. Um, And I'm not saying that, like, any time you get from a backyard flock that you're going to have the same problem. I'm sure there's a lot of reputable backyard flocks, but... um, we got, I don't know, maybe a dozen of them, and he definitely wasn't able to tell you, you know, what if it's a male or female or anything. And there are definitely some that we didn't think were 
barred rocks because barred rocks are what's known as sex links where the the males and the females when they're born well so when they're born they're all black but like what will have uh, like a spot on its head like a white spot so you can tell which ones are the male and females but i don't know anyway the guy didn't really seem to know what he was doing and so we brought him home and i think out of those 12 only three maybe ended up living or maybe even just one um and i guess like i said i guess we don't really know if it was that guy's issue or anything with them but every time that you you start when you're starting fresh uh, i guess i don't know where to begin with this so all chickens have kind of like i don't want to say diseases but carry, carry parasites you know from being out and you know among their poop and everything and most of the time is they're not harmful but when you bring animals from, you know, one location to another, it could make, you know, your new flock six. A lot of times when you do that from, like, backyard farm to backyard farm, or really anywhere. Actually, probably even more so from other places, but you just don't know what's coming over. So, a lot of times it's recommended to, like, quarantine. But, so, in those flocks, you know, they have the the good bacteria and everything. Once a flock is established, and so, in a brooder... When you're starting out fresh, you get your fresh shavings in there. Okay. What's a what's a brooder? Okay, so a brooder is what you use to raise the baby chicks, and so that could be anything from like a large tote. You know, you can build a frame with some hardware cloth over top. You know, originally they aren't going to be able to fly out. So you don't really need that, but they learn to fly quick. So you're going to kind of want something over top and you're going to want uh, like a, a heat lamp most of the time. Cause they like it to be like 90 something degrees in there when they're little be- before they're feathered. Once they're feathered, they can keep control their body temperature, you know, and it's not as big of a deal, but when they're fresh hatched and they don't have that, you know, they, they're usually under their mama keeping them warm. So you want to just kind of, you know, mimic those conditions. So you get it set up with some kind of, you know, you don't even really have to, but you put, we put pine shavings down. You could use straw, you know, but just something comfortable for them to scratch around in. So that is called a brooder, just like a little setup. And I said, it it could be, you know, any number of ways to make it. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so don't let what we do. don't let our ideas uh, limit your imagination. I'm pretty sure that um, ours were in like a big tote thing or a box. Yeah, boxes. I think it was a big tote thing with a heat lamp, and uh, I think she had had like a picture. So it's a thing that she used to dry her herbs or hang pictures on with like uh, the wire mesh and the frame and um, clothespins and stuff. And she just mm-hmm. put that down over top because the chicken started trying to jump out. Right. So, yeah. So yeah. they will. So we've had, we've been raising a couple chicks in the house here and that's all I have. Cause it, we've been getting like mother sit on a nest and only one egg will end up hatching, you know? And so a lot of times in chickens today, a lot of the natural tendencies are bred out of them. And like being a good mom to the chickens is definitely one of them. So a lot of times a mother will hatch eggs very happily, but she might not take care of them once they're born. 
And so a lot of times we'll try and give the, the mom a chance. And if it shows that she will not take care of them, then we've been taking them away and raising them in a brooder. Um, so we have a brooder. So set you're up the mama house. hen. That's yeah. So <laughs> but so like we've had a couple that have been born by themselves. So I've been, because we've raised batches of them in a brooder, you know, but there's any number of them. It's anyway. So I've been able to give these little chicks like more one-on-one motherly attention. And they've been like being super friendly. Aww. And it's cute. Yeah. So anyway, back to what I was saying though. So when you get your, brooder set up for the first time with like fresh pine shavings or whatever uh, you don't have a lot of those bacteria built up in the shavings and some like they I don't know like, I guess we should have got a chicken expert but they need that to like help <laughs> their to prime like their immune system you know and be healthy so we're not sure if maybe that was contributed to it so now like in the brooder what we do is when we clean it out we'll like clean out half of the shavings and then you know put a whole bunch of new shavings back in and mix it up so there's constantly you know a little bit of saturation of that good bacteria that's a good idea yeah i know um the place that ours were shipped from I think they sent like two extra too and then one of them wound up being a boy yeah they usually they usually do send a couple extra because when you're shipping animals in the mail you know yeah there's no guarantee yeah or sometimes just like a weak one and you know because they ship so the reason they can ship and I don't know if you know this the, the reason they can ship day old chicks is because chickens they don't all hatch at the same time you know it happens it could happen over like one to three days so they can go like two to three days without eating or drinking water but once they start eating or drinking water then you know you have to continue to feed them so they'll ship these day-old chicks before they've been fed or watered so they can make the journey you know no problem to where they're going I did not know that, but that's super yeah. interesting. Yeah, but yeah, so they'll usually send a couple extra. And I guess really the only problem that we had, and I can't remember if I talked about it on the show, but we had some chickens that were sent out right before Hurricane Ian came in. Did I talk about this? I don't think so. Okay, well, if I did, too bad. You guys don't have to hear it again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so like, so we were out of town, you know, by you, and come, came back to Hurricane Ian, and they'd ship them out from wherever they came from. We were using a new new place on that Monday, so they arrived at the post office probably when there was nobody there for a few days, and it was 75 chicks, and by the time that we found out that they had arrived at the post office. We got them and it looked like somebody had been feeding and watering them. So it like started their cycle. So they were pooping and like cramped, you know, anyway, over the next few days after they arrived, like about half of them ended up dying. But again, that's not, that wasn't the hatchery's fault, you know, right. It's just stupid nature in the hurricane. Yeah. yeah, Unfortunate circumstances and strings of events. So, but like I said, they're use a hatch. I would I would recommend using a hatchery unless you know, you know somebody you trust or right. 
Right. Like if, you know, my homie down the road decided to, you know, sell baby chicks, then I would definitely buy from her. But mm-hmm. I mean, know, so, know where you're getting them from. Do your research first. Yeah. Um, but we like ideal, ideal porch poultry. That's where we do most of our ordering from. So then to raise a chicken, I mean, again, same with the coop, same with the brooder. I mean, the possibilities of setups are endless. You basically just want to provide them a place to get out of the elements. And depending on how cold it gets where you are, somewhere to stay warm, you know, in winter. And here, you know, we want to make sure they stay cool because it gets so hot. Um over summer so shade you know but just some protection um a place for them to roost and some clean water and they're like happy um you can manage them however suits you know where you live maybe you live in a small place so you have them in a small enclosed area you know, they'll be fine, got a little bit more room and want to give them a run so they can go outside in the sun and, you know, forage for their own greens. You know, they'll be even happier. Um, so we have like a main, a main setup where our layer flock is. And so like I said, we started out with Plymouth Bard Rocks. And then over the years, we've also tried... Um, Let's see, Buff Orpingtons, Rhode Island Reds, Wine Dots. Um, did I say Australorps? Australorps, Easter Eggers, Silkies. And um, we just got a new batch of these Novagens. But I mean, there's so many different kinds. But I guess what you want to think about is whether they're, whether you want them for egg laying or meat birds, or there's good dual purpose breeds. Um, and I guess I should have talked about this before when we were talking about it, but so like a lot of these are your heritage breeds and they're the chickens that have been raised for like forever, like the kind of chickens that your grandparents raised. Um, and then you get into breeding and genetics, you know, and start making ones that are more suitable for what you need and you get your dual purpose birds. And these are like the the Plymouth Bard Rock and the Rhode Island Reds are kind of good dual purpose ones. And then you'll find ones that are much better egg layers that don't get very big, you know, or you want the ones that get really big, but maybe they don't lay so many eggs. Um, maybe you want a chicken like the Silkies that they really like to hatch eggs. They'll go broody. That's what it's called when they sit on a nest and, I mean, you can shove other chicken eggs under them and they'll just happily sit on them as often as they can. <laughs> so a lot of, and when you go on these sites, um, they'll kind of give you stats, you know, so you, you, you kind of start there. What do you want them for eggs? Do you want to raise them for meat? And these are all not to really be confused with the broilers, the ones that are kind of more raised commercially for meat. And we'll probably talk about those more next week but just know that there is kind of a difference in that those are raised a lot of times because they're double breasted but you can still raise the heritage breed um the dual purpose for meat and so that's what we had started out doing because we were kind of trying to do it as you know the way that it's always been done you know kind of stay away from maybe the 
the ones that are bred to grow larger than normal maybe seems and they taste they taught taught me if i'm going off on too many tangents (laughs) help keep me on no 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 you're fine you're fine you're fine keep going they they taste what now okay so (laughs) they because they don't get as big um they tasted really good but there's definitely not as much meat on those birds as what you people expect in the supermarket so we were doing this for ourselves but we also were started doing chickens with the intention you know to bring them to the farmer's market and we just had a lot of problems selling the birds you know people want a bird that weighs you know so much because they don't want to go through the trouble of cooking you know something that just it look they look a little pathetic i guess comparatively right know? like cooking a ha- half a turkey or something for thanksgiving yeah yeah and so we were having a hard time like and, you know we tell people like you know this is what chicken's supposed to be like you know this is the chicken that has they're been like eaten. i don't care <laughs> yeah so, you know, some people would like would like try it. And there's nothing wrong with the birds, but it's just so drastically different than what you get at the supermarket. It's hard for people to like make that leap, you know? Yeah. So that's when we started looking into the um the crossbred birds. And the Cornish cross is typically that what we use for the, the meat birds. And that is more kind of like what you find in the supermarket. Just we raise it in a more humane way. But again, I will I'll leave that for next week. <laughs> so we're going to be kind of focused, you know, like the egg layers and the more heritage breeds and the kind that people, most maybe homesteaders that aren't necessarily looking to start a poultry processing business would want to have in their backyard. Right. Yeah. Um, like as far as space goes, how much space do you think you need per chicken? <sighs> Ooh, Dave would be a better person to ask. They don't, they don't need a lot of room. Okay, when you think of a commercial farming factory, right? Where yeah, they I know. That's gross looking. Tens of thousands of birds, you know, in a small place. I mean, they are. Yeah, I mean, they, a like, lot of them die. They, they barely live, and, you know. But so they, I mean. They don't. Okay. Oh, here's an example. Like in chicken tractors, which we employ chicken tractors. And I'll talk about that. um, I guess I can talk about it now or in a little bit. But yeah, no, go ahead. Talk about it. Chicken tractors. This is is one of the excellent uses of chickens. If you're looking for them like to have as a pet, but you don't really necessarily like you want the eggs, but they're not like a main purpose. Like you can use chickens to help in your garden or to help till yep. your soil and that's what um a chicken tractor is so yeah talk about talk about the chicken tractor yeah so we employ a lot of joel Salatin's methods and joel Salatin is a libertarian um in virginia and he he uses his animals you know to do as much work for them doing things that they like to do anyway you know chickens like to scratch so he'll you know put him in his garden to scratch and till up the dirt, you know, as an example. Um, So the chicken tractors, you can kind of control your chickens by keeping them in one place. Also, it protects them from predators very well, but you move it every day. So they get fresh grass 
So they're kind of like little lawnmowers. They get fresh grass, fresh bugs, they get sunshine, and they're totally happy. So, I mean, that is, they're, let's see, we'll put maybe, again, I should have diggers here for it. See, made them, but we have like an eight by eight chicken tractor. Our first ones were a little bit smaller, maybe I want to say four, maybe like three by six six or something we have a lot of them. we have a whole crew of them in different stages of dilapidation <laughs> each time improving a little bit um but kind of same with everything else there's endless ways that you could go about making a chicken tractor there's like a-frame ones i've seen ones put it on like skis some with bike wheels on the back to help kind of like lift it up and pull you can get as creative as you want with it um, but it's basically just something that you move every day and which helps improve your soil by um, they're not getting too high of a concentration of poops in one area because every day it's moved. Whereas in a chicken coop, chickens do most of their pooping when they sleep and they like to sleep up on roosts. And so you have to, you know, every now and then clean out all the chicken poop Um because it builds up in there. Or alternatively, you can throw layers of carbon, like pine shavings or yard waste, you know, and kind of layer it almost and then scoop it out to help supercharge your compost pile to get that kind of, um, well, carbon helps keep the smell down too. So it kind of serves as a sink and purpose to absorb some of the ammonia, you know. And if you do that with the coop, especially in the winter time, it can help provide some heat and warmth inside. Like the decomposing carbon with the chicken poop and stuff can help keep your chickens a little bit warmer. Yeah. So maybe like if you clean it out every other week or so in the summer and then, you know, go in and layer it in the winter and then you can still use the, the poop in your compost like regardless so like you can always scoop it out and throw it in your compost bin and mix it all up exactly and so to answer poop. your question that you asked a long time ago I don't, I, I don't know what the best answer would be to say is because we try to provide our chickens with as much space as possible but they're totally happy you know in less space like i said maybe okay for example, in our, in our like three by five or six foot one, we would still put maybe like 10 birds in there. Was that three by six? So like 18 square feet. Okay. So. And it, but I mean, that would just be for like a day though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I mean, chickens are social animals <laughs> you yeah. don't want to have just one chicken that would be a very sad chicken yeah so they, chickens, they like company chickens like watching them is like watching a soap opera because <laughs> if you have males roosters you know in your flock um they will form little families and little cliques you know especially of multiple roosters you know like this one will have like the main rooster will have most of the girlfriends and you know the lesser males will each have like two or three or whatever that follow them you know <laughs> that's funny we don't have any roosters we just have uh all hens and they've all like they they've definitely got their pecking order and there's one who's the boss 
Mm -hmm. They all listen to her. She's also the most courageous. They picked a good boss because if something comes in there and they don't know what it is, she's the first one to check it out. Yeah, so that kind of like goes with what I was talking about about a lot of their traits being bred out of them. Like even with roosters. So like one of the things that you don't see a lot of times anymore is roosters that will like dance for their ladies before they mate with them. Um, and it's cute. Like we've had a couple that do do that, and then there's some who just kind of like take it. You know? <laughs> Rude. Um, you yeah. gotta impress her. <laughs> yeah. So it's sweet when they do, but there are definitely ones that like do a better job at certain things. And in even in all hen flocks, just all the ladies, there's typically like a, a weak sister where like the weakest sister where they all kind of like pick on her a little bit. Yeah. It's always kind of sad, <laughs> but we've tried dealing with that before and they'll just um, like we'll separate her, you know, and they'll just start picking on another one. Right. But a lot of this too. So back to like the size, um, or the space. You, you do want to make sure that they have enough space, and they'll kind of tell you if they don't have enough space. Because given enough space, they have places that they can go and hide if they're getting picked on. But if they're unhappy and crammed in a small space, that's when they'll start picking at each other more and picking fights, you know, because they don't have space to go and hide. So if you kind of noticing more than usual pecking at each other or declines in their health, it's... This would be a good point to say that, like, in large corporations or commercial chicken processing places, like, problems like salmonella are an actual problem. And it's due to the management, you know, not necessarily the chickens themselves. Because in small backyard flocks, it managed properly, you know, and their diseases and stuff like that, serious ones that affect us aren't really... An issue, like all eggs and chicken like, have salmonella, but it's like at, uh, you know, I want to say undetectable, but an, a healthy amount. But it's when their flocks are mismanaged and backyard flocks can be mismanaged, too, you know, is when problems of disease occurs. You know, so typically in a well-managed backyard flock, you shouldn't run into even any issues like that. Um. But one thing that some people do, if um, you can put herbs in the chicken's water for um, like antibacteria properties and um, like immune boosting stuff, like for people putting oregano in their chicken water. That's cool. Yeah. Some rosemary chicken water. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's see. Where are we at? So on pasture... You know, chickens, as you see, like, eggs sometimes in stores saying that, you know, these were laid by vegetarian chickens. Like, you definitely don't want to buy those eggs because chickens are definitely not vegetarians. Um, they like to eat bugs. And so that's why it's, you know, important for them to be out on pasture. And, um, okay, I'm going to say this here, I guess. And, and this goes to why, because we don't want to talk about why you should raise chickens in the beginning, um, but why you should want to raise chickens, even if just for eggs, 
is commercial animal processing and raising factories. I know I said that terribly. (laughs) They're so awful and horrible and disgusting. And there's so much misleading labeling and packaging, you know, which, you know, just misleads the public, like the vegetarian um, label on eggs. Um, but a lot of times on commercial eggs, you know, it'll say um, pasture raised. And that doesn't mean that they were raised on pasture. That means that at the end of that building with 10,000 plus birds crammed into it, on one end of it, there's a door leading to like a 10 by 10 grass area where they can go outside if they wanted to but most of the chickens will never realize that the door's there and they'll never see the light of day and eggs also like okay the usd fucking is the most ridiculous thing ever like they don't check for anything that has to do with like the health of the egg it's like based more on the shape and appearance and uniformity and all those eggs went through bleach baths and they've been washed and you know eggshells are porous so they have absorbed all of those chemicals that they were washed in along with all of the poop water that washed off of the eggs um and it's just uh, it's just so I don't know, just so insidious the way that they like will like, okay, these were raised on pasture or cage free, you know, is another one that's just saying that they are not in a cage, but they are crammed, you know, one on literally one on top of another. Um so getting chickens provides you with clean eggs, uh clean fresh eggs, and so you don't have to worry about any of that shit. Right, and you can, like, take a moral stance against factory farms without, like, going vegan and vegetarian or whatever. Like, you can say, I'm not going to contribute to that anymore. Mm-hmm. And even the nutrition like, between the two eggs is, it's a totally different egg. It's not even the same egg. Yeah, I didn't know that. And mostly well, because of the like, feed and stuff. The feed and just they are not getting any vitamin D. They're getting lack of sunshine. They're not right. getting that protein from the bugs, you know. That makes I sense. I mean, I mean, even even if we still supplement, you know, with feed, um, especially that, the meat birds, because it's really hard to get a meat bird up to weight um, on solely pasture and bugs. Um, they need that protein. Um, and most people especially backyard flocks will be, you know, feeding their chickens feed. Um, do you feed them? You feed them feed, right? Yeah. So when they're chicks, when you're raising them, we get 20% protein to start them off. And then as they get older, there is, I think that's like 16% protein for the layer crumbles. And then there's, there's, there's feed designed for the, you know, different stages of life with kind of raising any, animals um so you just want to get whichever one's appropriate and um oh why was i starting to talk about this the feed we were talking about like the different um 
com- like the nutrient composition with the eight, the layer, the backyard eggs and the eggs that you buy at like the supermarket uh, and shit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah. So when, you know, you're giving them what they need, like a healthy mix of things or even just like, even just like get exercise and sunlight, you know, it just affects the bird. The birds are sick. So they're making sick, unhealthy eggs. But in one of the books, the Joel Salatin books, it does actually break down. I'll, I'll post it in discord if I find it after the show, but actually like, like two eggs were sent off to a lab and the, you know, the compositions of the proteins and cholesterol and everything was evaluated and it was markedly different. <laughs> so, I mean, the, just like with any commercial processed food, it's just different, you know, when you can control the inputs and raise it how it's meant to be raised. Yeah, that makes um, sense. So with, I guess, with the feeding, some other things that you might need to do as your hens start laying, and they usually start laying around six months and that'll depend on the breed and when you're picking a breed they'll usually give you about you know when they should start laying you know some might start laying earlier than others um but you it's good to supplement their feed with oyster shells um to provide calcium if you start getting eggs with like thin shells um it's probably because they're lacking in calcium um so oyster shells or even crushed up eggshells you know they'll eat it um and it also provides grit for the chickens and when chickens are allowed to be on pasture they can a lot of times pick this up themselves um but if they're if you have a smaller area and they don't get to go out on pasture um you're probably going to want to provide it and what this does it's kind of like almost looks like little pebbles or gravel that they'll eat um, because a chicken's stomach is their gizzard, which is essentially just a really tough, hard muscle, you know, that's grinding their food. So by eating like the grit or sand or they'll find stuff, <laughs> but, um, you know, that's it's like in Moana. Help. Oh my gosh. The chicken that eats the rock. That's what he's doing. Hey, hey. I've it, never seen that, but I think I do know what you're talking about. <laughs> He like eats, swallows a whole rock. Anyway, he's being smart. Everybody thinks it's not. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, he just had, his eyes are just too big for his stomach, I guess, huh? Because it's a big rock, right? Yeah, it's a big rock. Okay, I think I've seen like a picture or something on the internet. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm getting old. Like there are all of these like all these references to people nowadays. And like I don't think it matters. I don't care to know who they are. But it's just like <laughs> I don't know who any of these people are anymore. That you know these young kids are following these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the that chicken movie. Um, or my older kid calls it Moana, but oh. Chicken, it, chicken, watch chicken. Is it good? It's cute. It's a cute movie. Frozen was like the last one, and I didn't, I waited forever to see that. You know, I'm like, oh, it's probably dumb, you know. And when I finally gave it and watched it, I was like, oh, hey, that was actually, it was all right. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of the like kids' movies coming out are like cute now. I don't know. Yeah. I don't have kids, so I don't keep up with what's cool these days. Right. I don't know that I would have watched it without children. Probably not. 
All right. Well, okay. So, oh, so chickens, also, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, fe- feeding chickens. So they will, chickens will literally eat just about anything. Um, like we've had moved something off of a cinder block and there was a baby rat nest in there, a bunch of pinky rats. And they were fighting over those pinky rats like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> And I mean, you don't want to be like feeding them stuff like that, but they will. And um, they'll eat like all your kitchen scraps. So um, if you're not feeding your worms already, your compost pile, you know, feed it, feed it to the chickens. Um, is there any the worm? What is there anything what? that chickens can't eat? Like well, they that can't, you wouldn't feed to your chickens. We, if we have scraps with chicken in it, we, we don't give them chicken. Okay. But if it's like I know some like a, people do that, like feed their chickens chicken. I, that just seems so weird to me. Well, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong per se actually with it, but I have always been under the impression that, you know, cows don't eat cow products, pig don't eat pig products because it does something to their brains. I think that's isn't that kind of like the underlying thing with mad cow disease with they they're being fed like other beef proteins. It's making them crazy. I don't know. I just... uh, We feed our baby chicks hard-boiled eggs for protein. So I guess that's kind of... (laughs) You're feeding them their brothers and sisters. Yeah, it's... So, yeah, hard-boiled eggs are a really good source of protein for the baby chicks. So They're a very good source of protein for you, too. Mm-hmm. But they love them. They'll gobble gobble them right up. That's what I do. We eat like three to four hard boiled eggs for breakfast today. Mm-hmm. Yum. I'm not a hard, big fan of hard boiled eggs, but I'll put down just about any other kind of egg. But like, and sometimes like if an egg drops, you know, and there's other hens around, they will come running to eat the yolk. But I try to step on it a few times because if your hens start learning about egg eating, or there's good stuff inside of the things that they're laying and they start pecking and eating their own eggs and the other ones will pick it up. Uh, we haven't had that issue, but I've heard of people having to like cull their whole flock because they all started eating eggs. <laughs> Yeah, we had one that was, I think she was starting to, but we've been able to get the eggs out since then, and I haven't had any, but for a while, she would peck a hole in the yeah. egg. Yeah, peck a hole in the eggs, and I'd have to get rid of that one, and it was like probably one a day for a few weeks, and then I was able to start getting them before she did. I don't know which one it was either, one of them. Yeah, you know, it's it can be hard to tell. Um, came up in a chicken chat chicken chat chicken chat (laughs) (laughs) twitter um the other day about nest boxes and they're like they're all laying in one nest box when they three for them to choose or whatever why do they do that why do they do that i don't know but i made this i I had to go find the picture you know for the chat to double check i couldn't remember if it was 12 or 15 but a 15 nest box hen hotel it came out really awesome i'll try to remember to post a picture of that too um but so 15 nest boxes and maybe a quarter of them they would use you know and they'll all be there'll be like two chickens in the same one trying to lay an egg together at the same time when there's open ones yeah i don't know there's they are silly. Yeah, we have 
three nesting boxes. We have five hens, three nesting boxes. They all use one. Yep, and nest boxes. Um, I've seen a lot of people use like empty kitty litter containers or, you know, even like flower pots. I mean, even a lot of times you'll provide them with something and they'll just use something else anyway. Yeah. So um, you don't have to spend a lot of money. You don't have to spend any money on a nest box for them. But once they start laying eggs, you know, you want to give them an option of a nice little place. I'll put some like straw or something in there. And uh, yeah, they'll lay their eggs there. And if they're not, they might have a mystery nest somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're going to go around and check everywhere they've been. Mm-hmm. Um, That's how you like end when up you were with... here. Yeah. So we had chickens in the little tractor when Ray was visiting and one of them like got out because I didn't I didn't latch the tractor. The whole garden was a mess. Weeds everywhere. So I didn't latch the tractor. I didn't think she would be able to squeeze through the door, but she did anyway. And she like made it like three feet and then made a little nest there and laid her egg right in the middle of the Uh garden. And we were looking for her for probably half an hour and then found her. And then, like, three days later, I found that egg when I was going through to weed. But that was funny. Yeah. So if um, sometimes if you, like, take all the eggs and it's and they find, like, a new spot, um, they make, like, fake eggs that you can, like, take her eggs. And then, like, if, if she's laying somewhere that you want her to, you take her eggs and then you put these fake eggs there. And so she'll come back to it. We've tried that a few times and it works sometimes. We we have a we have chickens that are in a fenced in area, a very large fenced in area. So even if they wanted to lay mystery nests, I don't know if we'd find all of them. Um, then we have some free range chickens that just refuse to stay in the fence. Um, so we they won that argument and we made them a separate little like carriage that they will go in at night to sleep in otherwise they pretty much have the whole property to roam um and then we have the ones in the in the chicken tractors typically we use the chicken tractors for the broilers though because um they don't require as much space um because well they don't they don't roost they grow so fast um that they get lazy and won't travel too far for their food and water. And like as they get bigger, they will like we we've heard stories, I guess, of them dying because they're too lazy to get up and go get a drink of water. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, like ideally, you don't want to let them get that big. Um, like most birds that are people use for broilers, they get, you want to process them at like seven to nine weeks you know like they're not meant to live much longer than like nine to ten weeks and they'll start having health problems you know um again we can talk about that you know a little bit more next week um but so that's that's typically what so we keep them in the chicken tractor so they stay close to the food and water (laughs) but still get to be moved every day you know and because they don't like to roost and they get fresh grass to sleep on you know and just it's just how they do um and so with keeping them contained, so like I said, we have like a pretty big fenced-in main area. And for the longest time, like we would try to keep them in there and um, clip their wings. And if you want to do this, when you spread a chicken's wing out, you'll kind of see a couple different 
outer layers or like a really the longest tip feathers and you only want to cut like kind of you don't have to cut a lot of them off you know for it to be effective and we have actually found that cutting one of their wings instead of both wings is more effective because it kind of provides that imbalance and they have a harder time flying over but we've kind of since stopped doing that but we have the luxury of having our other you know the whole property fenced in and um i guess we can talk about predators in a you know in a little bit but um you want to keep them contained because of predators but i don't know we kind of stop fighting them <laughs> they right yeah like and your dogs and cats could very easily be chicken predators yes and then you know the overhead birds i think there's a like i mean we get all kinds of overhead birds here our chickens have a, a run um and then you know we let them out for a few hours at a time but like try to stay out with them when we do because of the overhead birds like the turkey vultures and stuff and i don't like i've never seen any of them dive for our chickens but i don't put it past them man they're vicious yeah they yeah so they yeah well you said vultures yeah sorry well they typically only come for the dead ones yeah. i've never seen them go after live ones I've but, well, I haven't seen them go after live chickens, but I have seen them go after live uh, field mice and rats and live oh. yeah, and the uh, live snakes in the back field. So crazy. Yeah. <laughs> we I we haven't really seen any. And we have a lot of vultures here, but we haven't really had any issues with them. But we have had issues with coyotes, raccoons, foxes, owls, possums, hawks, snakes, rats, cats, rats, and dogs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and so we've been doing chickens for like six years. And so we have some pretty tragic stories with the coyotes and the foxes. They'll come and just kill your flock same with weasels which we haven't had an issue but we've heard stories they'll just come and decimate your flock but this won't necessarily eat any of them or taking them away um and then like the the owls will come in at night and like they will land like in front of the coop and walk in where hawks are mostly just aerial you know but like i've heard stories of owls like walking in to a coop um possums will eat eggs and we've had possums with you can tell a possum attack because you're like oh my god what animal ate my chicken's butt oh my gosh <laughs> the possums go in through the butthole to get to oh, the eggs no oh that sounds terrible <laughs> and i think like uh, other animals too but they're like the soft tissue or something but yeah and then um the snakes oh will that sounds like a horrible eggs. way to die oh i know but that's usually one of the telltales. But yeah, then the snakes and rats will take the eggs and baby baby chicks, you know. But I wouldn't necessarily say that snakes and rats are a problem for larger birds. Right. Um. And yeah, yeah, neighborhood cats and dogs are always something you want to be aware of. Um. So, you know, if you're in a small backyard flock, we probably have them in a pretty safe coop, you know. And um, oh, I, I wanted to say this before and I just remembered too. So if... Ours are out on pasture during the day, but they get locked up at night 
you know, which is typically when most of the predator attacks, most of the, most of the predator attacks will happen um, at night from like the coyotes and foxes and stuff. Um, dogs and cats probably be during the day. Um, but so if you have like an area, like, if you keep them in like, okay, say you intend to put them on pasture, but you want to be able to lock them up at night. So you have your coop and you lock them up in the coop for a few days. Like you don't let them out. And then they'll just learn that that's home, you know? And so then you can let them out. And then at the end of every night, they'll know, they'll just know to go back home. So like, that's what we do is open the doors. They do whatever they want throughout the day. And then when the sun goes down, all we do is shut the doors. (laughs) So you said you just want to keep them. You want, you want to make sure that they know where their home is. I think it's like that with kitties or something too, isn't it? I have no idea. I'm not one of those kitty people. Yeah, me either. <laughs> a lot of people do that, though. They just let them out. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why you've got to be worried for your chickens, man. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know... A... Sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, there's like a whole bunch of field cats around here. So whenever yeah. we let, let ours out, I always worry about that. Because there's we're not fenced in, really. There's like a barbed wire fence, but that doesn't do shit to keep chickens in or cats out. So... We haven't really had any issues with dogs and cats, but we're not in a super populated area. But if you are, that's more of a problem, I would say. Um, or in a more populated area. Um, but so chances are, I mean, you can't predict it and you're not going to have your, you know, coop probably initially set up. Because you're when you're still learning, you don't really necessarily know what to deal with. But we had a fence. We put electric fence all the way around the thing. And um, predators were still getting in. So we would set up game cams. And you just kind of got to go with it. You know, something happens and you adjust and you figure out, you know, what the predator is. And then kind of adapt, you know. But um, Dagerist has even put up traps or like buried traps, you know, before and set them at night and then unset them in the morning. And we actually caught a fox like that one time. Really? Um, yeah. But you just got to kind of manage your flock and protect your flock as it comes, you know, and just know that eventually you will someday have a predator issue. Hopefully not, you know, but that's just life. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want I don't want to lose any of our chickens. But yeah, it's definitely it better happens. to be proactive. But sometimes, you know, I mean, weasels will, I guess, get in very small places. You know, you just want to make sure you yeah. address it. That was a big thing when uh, Sec was building our coop was making sure because we we used that old wood, so making sure that there wasn't any like significant gaps that something could crawl through, like a weasel. Yeah, rats to get the eggs so like if Mm -hmm. you're building a coop yourself look out for those oh one thing that's easy to do when you're getting set up which Dagger's just added recently but if you bury hardware cloth around the perimeter of your coop like you dig out a little bit and you attach it to the coop and then you know bury it back up that prevents critters from digging in underneath that's a great tip that's a great and Your chickens will probably try to dig out also. 
Yes. <laughs> so, because like right now, like our coop is like half of it's where they uh, where the nest boxes and their roosts are, and the other half is like the brooder, you know. And so the little chicks can get out of much smaller areas, you know. So they'll dig holes, and we'll go out there to check on them, and there'll be you know like a dozen baby chicks running around getting beat up by the older ones because they left their safe space, you know. <laughs> I think uh, there's a spot underneath the, I don't know, the spot where they go at night, like out in the run. And then we've got their little house up top and then a spot underneath where they can go to be outside when it's raining and stuff and still be, you know, covered. Mm-hmm. But there's a, a spot there where one of them is trying to slowly dig her way out. Yeah. She, she works on it a little bit every day. She's going to get freedom one day. Well, put, put some... Uh... Roll, even just like bunchy balling up like chicken wire and like shoving it in the hole. Yeah, you know yeah. we do that a lot. Um, we do that a lot for for Dennis, our hound dog too, because he makes holes in the fence and gotta cover them up. <laughs> um, let's see. So some other things that you might encounter as you go along raising chickens. Um. So chickens molt, and that is a natural process. They are shedding their feathers and growing new ones. Um, a lot of times your chickens will all sync up and do it at the same time. And y- you'll go out there and you'll be like, oh my god, my chickens, what's wrong with them? And then, don't worry, it happens. <laughs> um, Ours haven't molted yet, so. They haven't. No, so I'm going to yeah. have to look forward to that i've heard that it happens a lot at season changes yeah yeah it does um and if you ever notice times that maybe seems unnatural or maybe your chicken skin is like red and irritated too um that might be a sign that your coop needs a little uh miss or uh, maybe a little mismanaged because like I said if they're that's a sign that they're pecking and pulling out feathers and if they're starting to do that um something needs to be addressed um but otherwise that is a totally um natural thing and they'll grow back even healthier than before you know here's like nails it gets beat up and they just need to refresh and grow new ones um have you had any issues um, yet in your chicken time with like mites or bumblefoot or anything? No, no, we have not. I heard that, uh, one of the chickens in my homie's coop had, uh, freaking, what is it? Bird pox, which they didn't name chicken pox. And I don't understand why, but they quit, yeah. they quit laying for a while because they were sick. They had bird pox. Ah. Uh. That, that had to get treated or something, but ours haven't yeah. had any of those issues. No mites, no nothing weird. I don't know what bumblefoot is. So, <laughs> so we had an issue with mites um, in one of our families of chickens, and um, and it, again, it's kind of like their feathers were coming out, or seeing like there's little signs of it, and what we did to deal with that. So, it, the mites actually live like on the roosts where they sleep and then while the chickens are sleeping the mites crawl up onto the chickens and like you know feed on them i guess like like chicken bugs yes yes it's like that and so we 
you can just do diatomaceous earth like on the roost or you can take like a flame and kind of just not burn it but you know run it over there and it'll kill all the mites and the eggs and everything where they roost but if you do start seeing problems with that just know that it's um like i said they're where they sleep uh not necessarily on the birds but i think you can also if they have mites or parasites on the birds i think diatomaceous earth is a pretty good go-to for that and so birds take dust baths too the like in the sand well here it's sand um I don't know. What do they, do they still dust bathe up in the mud? Yeah, they'll they... dust, dust bathe in uh, like dirt patches and stuff like that too. Yeah, the dry dirt. Yeah, so I'll be, I'm used to sand here, but so they take like sand baths. You know, it's cute. They like fluff it around on themselves, um, but that helps to work all all the bugs and parasites or mites or anything that might be on the bird themselves. Um, and then bumblefoot is something and so the first time that we saw it was on so that very first batch of chickens one of the ones i said he might have been the only one that lived um we named him colonel sandals and he was really sweet as a little chicken and then as we started getting other chickens he turned into an asshole and like he had these really long spurs, which are like these sharp things, you know, that the the males get on their feet, um, you know, like on the gamecocks, you know, they use them to fight with. And he would mate with the females like so hard that he would cut them open. But then after, so we had to like separate him from the the hens, you know, and he got really sweet again. I think he just wanted attention. And then he would like later as he got older, he would like peck at me until I picked him up and then I'd pet him like on my lap and he'd fall asleep in my lap. It was really cute. But anyway, so he got this, I noticed he was limping and I picked him up and he had a sore on the bottom of his foot and it was pretty big. Like I said, I'd never heard of Bumblefoot at that time. And so, you know, I looked it up and learned what it was and it's almost like, um, so it starts as like a, a wound or sore on the bottom of the foot and it has like a, you know, like a wart where, where it has like that corn or like, you know, something that in the middle that you have to yeah. remove the whole part. Otherwise, it's going to keep growing back. So it's like that. It has a root. And um, it was just a sad story, actually, because he was my favorite chicken. And it was like starting to get worse, you know? And so I was reading and you can, like I said, it had been, it was pretty big and I tried to surgically remove it. And like, it was over like a course of a few days and you can soak it first, soak it to soften it if it's smaller and it'll kind of pop off. But like I said, it was pretty deep. So I tried to surgically remove it and I think he ended up getting an infection and he passed away Aww. and it was really sad. So, if um so yeah if you notice your chickens like limping or anything just check the pad of their foot and it'll start as like a small little dot and yeah you can soak their feet and you kind of like work it almost like a pimple you know and get it off and they should be just fine um but obviously i caught that one kind of late and i don't know what you do about it at that time that point able to have a chicken episode part two and answer right, some like, other questions go to the chicken i don't bet. know yeah <laughs> yeah it was sad um but, but as i was telling that story it made me think of something else too so i said that colonel sandals would he just he would just love a little bit too hard 
and we had this one in hen that he cut open and it was it was pretty bad um but we separated her and let me tell you guys chickens ability to heal themselves is amazing like we for sure did not think that she was going to make it you know and maybe some people might have put her down but we're both animal lovers like despite you know the chicken processing and everything we do like it's not enjoyable for us but you know we do it out of necessity and to feed our family and make sure we have you know clean meat um but she ended up healing and she was friendlier like way friendlier like after the fact it's like she knew that we were trying to help her like she would let us hold her and kind of like you know put disinfecting stuff on the wound and keep it clean and everything and yeah she got super friendly and we've had other instances where they've gotten a cut or a gash or something and they just heal so fast so you know if your chickens end up getting hurt don't despair like or even with sick chickens too, what you want to do if you have a sick or injured injured chicken is you typically want to separate them from the flock in like you know like a brooder or just a little toad or something where you can kind of like monitor them. But if they stay with the rest of the flock, the other chickens will you know detect that they're injured or sick and will pick on them because um, it's just nature's way of taking care of sick and injured things. You know they would probably eat it <laughs> or, or kill it. Right. If they could. Um, so you want to separate them and just kind of treat them. Um, and also, you, if they're sick, you want to remove them as soon as you notice it too, because they could infect the rest of your flock. And chickens do get sick a lot of times. You'll notice they have like a little runny eye discharge or, you know, some nose discharge. And they'll, it typically clears up no problem, you know, once you separate them. But when you start seeing times signs of that, you may want to look and be like, okay, do I need to, is it time to clean the chicken poop, you know, out of the coop or are they getting too crammed or are they not getting enough sunshine, you know, or something. But again, those are all signs of distress that in a well-managed flock, you know, you don't see as much of. Oh, I hear the baby. Yeah, she's up. <laughs> well, I mean, I think I covered most of the things, and we'll be doing uh, part. We will be doing part two on chicken processing next right. weekend. And if you guys like listen to this one, um, after we release it before we do our next interview, so like next Friday or Saturday, and you have any questions, feel free to hit us up. Yeah, I mean, and we can definitely do more on raising chickens in the future because, I mean, these are just some of the problems that I've encountered so far. And, I mean, there's advantages to raising other birds. Uh, we've raised turkeys and guinea hens. Um, we got a duck in on accident in one of our um, male, male <laughs> chicken orders and uh, a goose, you know, and a lot of different birds are, have different purposes and uses around the homestead. Uh, like the guineas will, like I guess one guinea, I guess, will keep an acre of land like clear of ticks. Um, cool. Yeah, so there's definitely advantages to doing other kinds of or diversifying your flock with other birds. Um, but I guess we're at the time too. So yeah, let us know anything that we forgot about and that you wanted us to talk about or if you have any questions. 
um, let us know. Is there anything else that you wanted to add? I don't think so. But if you guys do have questions, you can find me at Twitter uh, on Twitter at Mother of Chaos X A O S. And you can find me on Twitter at E underscore Agorist. And you can follow the show at Let's Make Some SHH. Keep making shit. See you next week.